Come with us on a journey into the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable. We will test your senses and challenge your beliefs. A world where science and religion clash. Or do they? You will meet real people and hear real stories, but you will not believe. You will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds, but you will not believe. This is the New England Ghost Project. Welcome to the Nightmare. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another outstanding edition of Ghost Chronicles Most Haunted. I am Ron Kolick, your host, the gatekeeper of the realm of the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable New England's own event fielding. With me, my co-host, all the way from across the pond in the land of the silver dragon. No, green dragon. I don't know, some kind of dragon. Mr. Steve Parsons. He's a bad navy. He's a bad navy. There you I, go. Um, yeah, he's a bad navy. We should, do a, we should do a whole show in, in uh, I could do, I could do, phrases yeah. only. What we, need, what we need, though, is we need a medium. I don't know where we'll find one. I think if we if we if we uh, open up our minds and shout for uh, our yes, guests, we'll check them. Yeah, well, we'll just Chris. Chris, good evening, Chris Conway. Hi, guys. Fellow Hi. survivor of most haunted. Yes, <laughs> really. I survived. Yeah, thirty <laughs> episodes. He survived. You're not yes. in the jungle. No, he's not in the jungle. Oh, not in the jungle. No. That's a shame. Although some people could say you'd rather be in the jungle, <laughs> but maybe not this year. Isn't it the same thing? So, Chris, welcome back. It's always good speaking with you. Great to be here, guys. So I remember when you left the show many years ago, and Richard Felix was my co-host then. Do you remember way back then, Mr. Conway? I do indeed. I do indeed. Yeah, and you were going to come on, and you are going to tell all, and all of a sudden, Toji Nat and I got... Uh, notes from calls and emails from certain lawyers telling us we better not do it. Yeah, I remember that well. What, I've actually got actually a pile of them a, on You actually desk. paid any attention to them. If I remember rightly, Chris, uh, I think you and I were the only two that never signed our uh, contracts. That's right. Um, so they've got no hold over us. Exactly. We, we, we are <laughs> under no contract at all. There is no thing they can do to us, Steve, if we, if we talk. That's true. The other thing that's also unique is, despite rumours to the contrary, or what you may have heard from other ex-casualties of that television series, um, there were only ever two people who resigned. And that was Chris yeah. and myself. Really? Well, yeah. Some people say they resigned, but that's not actually... <laughs> Everybody the says they resigned. Everybody says they resigned. I mean, some people still, you know, some people still use Most Haunted in their websites. And I do. Stuff. You do, but you weren't on the show. Oh, it doesn't have to. I knew somebody who was on the show. Oh, uh, right. Who is that? <laughs> I don't know. Someone. <laughs> I know a so lot of someone. I, I, I don't care. You know what I mean? You know, like, give me enough rope, like mangas. <laughs> so, anyways, Chris, I, I got, I got that, Steve. I saw it, but I chose to ignore it because I watched it, and I talked about this before. I watched the CMA Awards, and the CMA Awards they had a big cord attached to one of the singers, and it was uh, very similar to the one that a certain person had on certain stairs at a certain poltergeist house. 
Is that <laughs> big enough? <laughs> yes, that, that's big. I actually went to that poltergeist house when the film was first released, and I got invited along to the premiere. And the newspaper, they interviewed me to see what we could pick up. And th- there's stuff there, but I didn't pick up all this evil which apparently is supposed to be going around and certainly didn't pick up anyone with ropes or (laughs) anything like that. No, no, no ropes. I was quite surprised to hear, I didn't watch the show, but I was quite surprised to hear there was so much activity. Well, I can understand that the devil hasn't been in the UK because he's been over here for seven years, so... (laughs) The thing that the thing is though, I mean, I did watch it, and um, because I hadn't been in most haunted life for I think about four years now, four or five years, and um, so I I tuned in, and yeah, it hasn't changed much, has it? Um, <laughs> <laughs> I nearly choked him a drink there, Steve. <laughs> Water must add. Well, I mean, I mean, in fairness, I remember once that Yvette did say to me that the the series shows were the important shows, and in her words, that the lives were were more pantomime uh, and an opportunity to meet the the show's fans to allow them to participate. Now, that clearly didn't happen in this life. There was no audience. Uh, there was no audience in theatre. There was no sort of interactivity apart from via the online hubs. Uh, no. So it was very much a case of uh, going through the motions uh, with a live with a live feed, as opposed to a studio. Uh, you know, with the the pre-recorded stuff that they do normally. <laughs> but what was worst of all was bloody Fred and this chanting and calling upon the devil. And oh, cool! Is this is this a nightclub owner? Who suddenly yeah. became a, a yeah 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 the, the one who was the one who was also, if I remember rightly, in a much earlier series program, um, wasn't he also his own ghost? Yes, he was. <laughs> yes, he was. <laughs> what? Yeah, Fred Bat yes. was not only the demonologist on the show, but incredibly, the ghost that in, that haunted his own house was him uh, in a <laughs> former life as a crusader knight, if I remember rightly. Yes, I I, yeah. I do I do remember hearing that, but I know yeah. from the first the first day I met that man, I and I'm not being spiritual or mediumistic here, but I really did pick a bad energy for him from him, and to put it politely, he's a prat. Um, he's someone who is so desperate to be to well, if you can if you can class paranormal famous, I I don't know if we could ourselves, but it's almost as if he's so he was so desperate to get this little bit of fame and he would try and destroy anybody to to get that oh wow i think i saw that episode of doctor who the thing is the thing is i mean why does the show need a demonologist it sort of spiraled out of control hasn't it in the early days series one two three they were on a quest to try and entertain and hunt for you know they went down haunted houses they explored the paranormal it was it was entertaining it was plausible it was it was good fun uh, but every series, they got more and more bizarre. You know, they they buried people, they electrocuted people, they hung people. Yeah, but I explained and, this and before to you, Stephen. Hung people, pardon? I explained this all to you before. Yeah, I know. 
But it's the same thing that, you know, it's the same thing that with ghost hunters when they first came out on the air, you know, they would find maybe half the houses declared haunted. The other ones, they would debunk it, supposedly, and pretty soon it became all houses, houses were haunted. And after that, they were finding negative energy. And of course, now they were finding demons. I mean, it's just, you know, you've got to keep the audience more and more thrilled, as, you know, because, you know, they say, oh, another ghost. Uh- oh, well. I totally, I totally agree with you, Ron. But the only thing I would say is that I feel that you can do that without disrespecting the fans, and I, and I feel that the way it's gone, um, even when I was on the show, and that was why I, I quit the show. It, it wasn't just entertainment. It wasn't just react a bit more scared than you actually are, and things like that. It was basically disrespecting the intelligence of anyone watching that show. And that's what that's what upsets me, and not just the way that they they act on stage on TV, but also off television as well. The way they speak about people, they really? they have no respect, and I think that's what Steve's getting at, and it really does upset you when you watch that way that they they do treat people. Yeah. They, they, it's it's also uh, very much the case that uh, from my I mean much shorter kit I mean Chris you did thirty seven I did six um, which is way more than Barry John who tells the world he was on most haunted uh, <laughs> uh, but but not sorry about that but nonetheless. <laughs> Throughout my time, you know, that, that limited time, um, my, my sort of front-of-camera involvement on the show, was this, there was a, there was a clamour. Uh, Most Haunted was, was huge in the UK, um, and there was a huge clamour from people to know more. And mm-hmm. people, would, they had forums, and people would say, well, what happened next? What happened after the camera stopped rolling? Did anybody go back and review the evidence? And when we put that to Carl... Uh, and we said, look, you know, people are genuinely wanting more information. We've got this. Can we do it? His response was, uh, he, he brushed the fans aside. He, he, he wasn't. To be fair, though, Steve, them. one of the most haunted lives that I was on, they did bring in the the expert, but and they, they titled this guy of someone who they'd got externally, etc. He's one, he's one of the sound team who they put on camera. Yep. To, yeah. oh, wow. to test the squeaky noise that was coming from Carl's pocket. I mean, coming from the, <laughs> the, the haunted room. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I remember, yeah. I remember some of the... Um, I, I, I mean, I, I have to say, hand on heart, uh, I never... Uh, I was about to say I never actually saw anything done. Hmm. But I'd be lying. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think the thing is it's they've done so much for the paranormal in the beginning because if it wasn't for most haunted, most people in the paranormal wouldn't be where we are. Um but I think what happened was when it came out at the beginning nobody had anything to compare it to. So they'd believe everything they've seen on it. But I think nowadays most people that watch Most Haunted they go on paranormal investigations themselves and anyone with half a brain can sort of look at this show and think, well, hold on a minute. When we go on paranormal investigations, if we get a couple of taps, we're all celebrating because anybody that goes on investigation will know probably about 90% of that investigation, it can be boring. And that's why I know 
my own company, Mystical, we, we try and get a bit of laughter, a bit of fun into it because we do know that that 90% can be boring. And I think when people watch it now, the people that have been investigations, they, they clearly see that it is, it's ridicule and everything that we believe in or, or even passionate about. I mean, primarily, it's there. Let's be honest to sell to sell advertising, isn't it? You know, it's it's got to be successful to to you know for people to buy advertising revenue and fill those those incredibly long slots in in the lives, which is what it's about three minutes of live, then four minutes of advert, three minutes of live, four minutes of advert. Is that the ones that are just before it happens? It's yeah. what was that? Yeah, and then, break. And then uh, I, I, do you remember? Do you remember during the lives when you just about you, the medium would be in full flow, or the stone throwing would be, you know, the, the stone would be mid air, and we cut to an ad break, and then everybody just stop. That's and right. Yeah. I'm just going to nip. Oh, I've got four minutes. I'm going to nip out for a cigarette, and then we've got the yeah, hog. That's so, yeah, that's right. Let's move to go to this room. And it was complete switch off. There was no yeah. like, you know, it was just all right. Hang on, ad break. Yeah. And back into the role. <laughs> yeah, it was. Although I have to say that most of when I was getting into a role, most of it was shh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I remember getting thrown back in front of the camera once because I'd wandered off. Uh, in there was some there were some interesting sounds and noises somewhere, and I'd wandered off to go and find them because obviously you know I'm the investigator. And I was curious, and. Um, a bit like Brian Shepard, the opposite of Brian Shepard, at, uh, where he got hauled out from in front of the camera because he was <laughs> overshadowed. Well, he was overshadowing Derek, wasn't he? So he got hauled away. I got flung back in front of the camera and told Stapod. <laughs> that actually happened to me once as well. Uh, well, sorry, I got dragged away. It was on the, the Morecambe Life, and it'd been quite a, a boring hour, probably. And I sort of looked about and I seen the sound man passing out but what made me chuckle was when he passed out the boom mic was still facing the vet and I thought well that's quite lucky that he's passed out in that way <laughs> but then I, I seen the cameraman pass out and luckily enough the camera was still facing the vet and before I knew it everybody was passing out then the next thing I knew there was a hand on my shoulder dragging <laughs> me off the camera and I think what they were thinking is if you're not going to pass out just pee off <laughs> it wasn't Pendleton Witches was it? what's that? No, no, no. The no, Pendle, no. Witch, the Pendle no. Witches turned up everywhere, didn't they? They turned up in subway stations. They, yeah. <laughs> I would yeah. hate to go they, out for yeah. a cup of tea with them. A few months after the Pendle episode, I remember, it wasn't there, it was a 1912 penny that appeared in the middle of the um, the shoot. It dropped in as if in a port uh, into the shot. It's amazing. I remember when I, when I arrived on my f- second show, I bought. I'd been down to the, the local town market and bought some old nineteen uh, twelve copper pennies and drilled them all <laughs> onto key rings and gave everybody on the crew what is it meant? That didn't endear me to Carl. No, <laughs> it wouldn't. It wouldn't do. But I mean, one of my one of my uh, sort of bizarre moments on the show uh, was was Yvette was forever stealing my torch when we were you know when we were walking around the location. She never had her torch; she'd always left it behind. And uh, one time, the next time I turned up, I brought her her own torch to stop her stealing mine. And the look on Carl's face, I thought he was kidding at first when he said that you know, and I pay the bills on this show, so. Uh, the following week, uh, sorry, two weeks later, 
because I was sharing it with Kate, with uh, Kieran. Uh, I, I brought Carl the biggest, I went out and I found the biggest torch I could find. It was like a car headlight <laughs> with a car battery behind it. And it gave it There's to not me. a lot of innuendos here, is there, Steve? Or is this no, actual torch I, you're I, talking about? No, I gave it to Carl. Yeah, I thought, I'll find him the biggest torch that I can find. And, you know, I expected him to understand the pun. Um, yeah. He didn't. He was just delighted. He was like giving a five-year-old a toy. Well, you've given him a long thing with batteries, so he probably... Oh, yeah. <laughs> but the look on his face... Another gave... story. Yeah, when they gave it a torch and not presented one to Carl, it was... That, I learned some valuable lessons. It, it used to just freak me Not freak me out, but it, it just confused me because it was almost as if everything which could be positive for the show, they didn't like. And everything that was quite clearly negative for the publicity of the show, they liked. And I was naive, to be honest with you. I've watched the show twice before I went on it. And while I was on it myself, I watched it once, only because my family made me watch it because it was the first ever one that was being shown. And so I wasn't, I wasn't, actually prepared for what I was going to sort of walk into. I was very naive. I'd done TV work, but nothing to that scale. And I think I walked in expecting everyone to be doing what they can to try and either find something out there or people like yourself, Steve and Kieran, etc. they'd be putting in, you guys would be putting in, it could be such and such. And... When I got there, it just clearly wasn't that. And, and I think that's what kind of disappointed me straight away before the antics was the fact that it quite clearly was nobody actually... Uh, sorry, I'll rephrase that. That Carl and Yvette didn't actually give a damn whether we found anything or not because they quite clearly didn't believe. I, I think as well, I don't think we... I don't want to sound disingenuous to the rest of the crew because... Um, yeah. There were some fabulous people that worked on oh, the yeah. show. Yeah. And people who who also had a difficult time of things. Uh, yeah. but who believed in, in the idea of the show and what was taking place on the show. Um mm-hmm. but you know, again, they you know, they were in a, a very difficult position. Um yeah. you know, it was it was their employment, it was uh it, it was something they believed in, they believed in the production company. Um yeah. and our, you know it was very, very difficult at times to, to 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 stand and watch some of the things that were taking place. Um, yeah, which I don't think we can talk about on air. But you know, no. to watch some of the things that, that that were taking place was was at times very, very difficult to do. And, so, yeah. anyways, talking about the show, Chris, yeah. what was what was the what, uh, what was <laughs> your favorite favorite location? My favorite location was. Believe it or not, it was one that I thought would be absolutely terrible. Was Carlisle Castle because I only live forty-five minutes away from Carlisle oh, Castle, wow. <laughs> and I don't know what happened in the past. But the way it worked when I was there was I'd be taken to a hotel, and they would say they wouldn't tell you where you were going, but anybody with half a brain, <laughs> MD that's in the paranormal, would know they put you in spot X. You're going to <laughs> you're going to think, well, we've got four main locations nearby here. Um, and where they'd put us, I, it was a place called Appleby, and I thought, well, we're either going 
Carlisle Castle and we've got these different places and I thought please don't make it be Carlisle Castle and it, and it was and I'd only been in it a couple of times but it's a very small place and we sort of went and I was talking to Carl and he was saying this particular hall apparently is the most active and at that point I says to him I hate to disappoint you but I pick up nothing here um, and then later on that night in the exact same hall and this was something which, which really sort of took me off guard Leslie, Leslie Smith was beside me but I turned round and looked across and Leslie Smith was actually standing there and I sort of turned round and, and, and she was still beside me and, and I noticed a few of the crew actually doing the same thing we were all sort of turning and I don't know where it was group conformity or, or, or what was happening but it was just the strangest experience and I think because of that it does really stand out because I don't get scared in, on events or when it was the TV stuff either because I'm a big believer if you're a medium you're supposed to know who's in that room so if you know who's in that room why on earth would you get such a big fright that you're going to run out the door um, and, and I'm a big big believer of that I've been freaked out a few times or creeped out, but that was one of the ones where it was quite creepy, but it was more interesting. And that, that really does stand out because of that. It's interesting you mentioned about uh, being parked somewhere you know, near to a location and then being collected but not being told the location. I remember, uh, I, 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 you know, I'm happy to name this guy because he, he's been exposed several times anyway, but our reserve, in, in, when I was on in Series 8, there were always two mediums. There was the main, which was David Wells, uh, and then we would have uh, another medium, um, because that's what was wanted, I guess. But this guy, mm-hmm. Kevin Wade, um, turned up. Um, and they'd left him in the hotel. Uh, this was for Margam, Margam uh, Abbey. Okay. And when he arrived eventually in the, in the early part of the evening, it was very, very clear that he'd, you know, he'd been able to deduce. He'd been a former policeman as well. He'd been able to deduce the location, as it was the only old building within about 50 miles of where we were. Um, I, Basically, he started to give us the history um, of the location, as was mm-hmm. written in the in the pamphlet that was on display <laughs> in the in the hotel foyer in the lobby okay. of the hotel. Uh, you know, they had the, the tourist brochures. And yeah. The tourist brochure for Margam actually there alongside hundreds of others. Yeah. And at one point during the night, I said to him, "Look, I said." Just give us something that isn't in the brochure. One thing that isn't in the brochure. One solitary fact. And he points. Did you see this on air? Yeah. Um, This should be in trouble. uh, And and he pointed towards a a closet, uh, a small sort of uh, room that was there. And he said there were children. There were children locked up in that and tortured. I said, well, when, when, when was that? He said, in the 1500s, the 1500s. Now, we were looking at a breeze block a di- a cabinet that had been built clearly to hold, hold a water tank. Uh, in very, very recent days, the cement was barely dry on the thing. It couldn't have been more than five years old. <laughs> and uh, he, he was got rid of at midnight. Um, they, they arranged to terminate or to tell Kevin that the shoot was over early um, and getting back to the hotel and out of harm's way because he was driving everybody, frankly, mad. And the last <laughs> thing he said as he was packed into the taxi was, I'll see you all at the after-show party. 
That's a nice positive attitude. (laughs) Well, you know, there was never enough to show party on the shoot, was there? No, no, I've never seen. No. Bless him. But he he, he just sat there in the hotel, obviously, in the afternoon, bored out of his wits, and and he just studied the tourist brochures for the, you know, oh, there's an old building nearby. I bet you were going there. No, I, I, I don't. I, I don't. As I say, I never used to. I never used to watch the show, so I don't know who Kevin is. But, and I'm sure you'd agree, Steve. The, the, unless you're a strong character, then I think it would be very easy to bend oh, to yeah. what. Oh yeah. What's been thrown at you, and it's, and I could, and I could understand I'm, I'm doing that, reading that that pamphlet because it, it's the, the the pressure that they try to put on you. Is is unbelievable. I, I've personally, seen it first hand. yeah, I've seen it firsthand. Yeah, yeah. Personally, I'm the I'm the kind of person that I'm, I think I'm just too laid back, rather than a strong quite a strong character, but but more laid back as well. Whereas, and I'm such a a believer in, in what I do, and I never ever say to people what I do is 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 100. It's spot on. It's real. I don't. What I say is that I believe in what I do. Um, it may be one day that I turn around and find out it's, it, it's all in my head. I don't know, but I, I'm a big, big believer in, in what I do as a medium. And the only way you can actually get any verification is from the people that you're bringing stuff through for. Um, and I can, I would always be scared of losing my gift rather than mm-hmm. it, staying with them to get some extra pennies. Um, and I can totally under I can, I can see why people would feel that they were that they had to try and do something um, to get in Carl's good books and then hopefully get another few shows. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, was there a meeting on the show that made contact with an alien? Uh, Derry. Oh, was it? Le- the legendary. Uh, yeah, it was. Uh, it was at the uh, Pendle. It was at the, pe- the first night of the Pendle Live and. Um, I, I was there, and Derek uh, started saying, "He's not of this world. He's not of this world, Ivy." And you could, you could almost the camera started to pan down into this small closet uh, where Derek was pointing, and you were praying that they didn't continue the, the shot because, um, as Derek was was you know, continuing to say that he was not of this world, the camera panned down onto one of those Henry Hoover vacuum cleaners. <laughs> And it was one. It was one of those legendary moments. In television, you just couldn't make up. Now, Derek, I, Derek was genuinely picking up on something he believed in. Um, yeah. And and the thing about the location uh, was that there is a lot of associations between um, lights in the sky and alien yeah. reports and UFOs at Pendle. Uh, but it was it was a very unfortunate camera pan. Well, it depends what's going through the cameraman's ear at the time. But you'd be surprised uh, we yeah. get roped into, you know. Yeah. Was but this anyways, a live, Steve, or was it? It was. It was Pendle. It was the first night of Pendle, and it was legendary right, okay. for other yeah. reasons. See, because on the second night, Matt Smith turned up, and he'd been a bit delayed by traffic. And, and they, uh, we have to take a break right now. I so. should finish this story after the break. Then there you go. And we also have a question from. Uh, Chris in the chat room yep, as we well, do. so to address that. You listen to Ghost Chronicles International with Steve Parson and Ron Cole, and our special guest Chris Conway right here on Tojanet, Planet Paranormal, Pararex, and whoever the hell else would be in play. So we'll be right back. 
Monday mornings just got scarier. Tune in every Monday at 11 a.m. for another episode of Ghost Chronicles Morning Edition with New England's own Van Helsing, Ron Kolick, and his inquisitive travel companion, Lou Blassie, the professor. Hey, that's me. Each week we'll delve into the realm of the supernatural where all that is is not what it appears to be. With remarkable guests, spirited conversation, and the occasional voice of the deceased, we'll bring you a whole new meaning to the term dead air. Ghost Chronicles, Mondays at 11 on Eagle Radio 1110. Welcome to Tokinet, radio with a cutting edge. Feel the need to do some soul searching or make some changes in your life to create a more positive future? Then Circles of Wisdom is just the place for you. Circles of Wisdom is a metaphysical bookstore and more, located on Route 28 in downtown Andover, Massachusetts. We carry a large selection of books and music, crystals and gemstones, jewelry and gifts, sage, aromatherapy, and so much more, all in a relaxing and welcoming atmosphere. We offer classes on a variety of topics like yoga, Reiki, psychic development, alternative healing, and personal transformation. For guidance on this journey we call life, get a reading from one of our many readers at Circles of Wisdom, 90 Main Street in downtown Andover, right next to Bertucci's. Call us at 978-474-8010 or check us out on the web at www.circlesofwisdom.com. Lots to see and do in a feel-good place, an oasis in this hectic world. They're creepy and they're kooky, mysterious and spooky. They all talk ugly gooky, the Parax family. The shows are paranormal, not stuffy but informal. The topics are abnormal, the Parax family. They're strange, deranged, unrestrained. So grab your favorite brew, it's time to rendezvous. As we give the awards to the Parax family. Greetings and felicitations. I am Ron Kola, New England's own Van Helsing. And I'm Ann Kerrigan, the Blonde Bombshell. And we're here at the elegant Vintage Hall, the Downton Abbey of Menace. And we would like to extend a formal invitation to you to tune in every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for Ghost Chronicles Next Generation. On Tokenet, Parax, Ghost Channel, and Planet Paranormal. You can even listen live on your smartphone with your tuner app. Or catch the podcast on iTunes. And now, time for tea. Ah, tea. The drink that caused a revolution and spawned America, but... Anyway, we'll do that on another show. Tonight we're uh, live on Ghost Chronicles International, and our special guest is Chris Conway, uh, another survivor from Most Haunted, uh, 37-episode survivor. Hopefully you're listening to us live on Togginet, Planet Paranormal, Para-X, The Ghost Box, and God only knows what else. You might be listening just on iTunes, in which case, tough. Um, we were we, we were just sort of trailing out with the story. Uh, we were talking about Pendle, weren't we, in the the Henry the Hoover? But I just want to yes. finish what I was saying before the break because otherwise people will be in the chat room going, "You didn't finish what you said before the break," which was the night two humorous event. I think wasn't it night two was also the famous uh, the the multiple passings out and possessions and mm-hmm. spirit attacks. Yeah, it was pretty pretty brutal. 
but earlier in the evening, Matt Smith, who was on the couch, the parapsychologist who was on the couch that night, had been delayed in traffic getting up from Merseyside. And um, when he arrived, uh, Dr. David Bull said to him, oh, you should have been here earlier. Uh, Derek's been possessed, at which uh, Matt replied, really? He normally saves that to the third night. <laughs> which always thought was one of the best lines in Most Haunted. But there you go. Um, we have a question for Chris. Two questions. Two questions. Okay. Well, no, we've done... He's, he, Chris inadvertently answered the first question. We did. Um, yeah. Um, so, Kirsten has a question. Have Chris, have you ever seen or experienced a truly negative entity? And you are not to say Mr. Beatty. Right, OK. Yvette. Oh, no. <laughs> I can't say any of them, you mean? <laughs> um, the... The most, it's not on most haunted that this happened to me, and it's probably the closest I've came to anything that I could actually claim as negative, stroke evil. And I was probably about eighteen, and I used to go down and visit my mum who lived on the border between Scotland and England, and there was a a graveyard in the middle of nowhere. It was a family graveyard, and there was a tower beside it. And it was all fenced off. And I used to like going up there and just sitting, watching the beautiful view. Probably a strange thing to do. But I used to go every single day and I really enjoyed it. And there was this one particular day I was up there. And the only way I can describe it is it was a really, really beautiful sunny day. And it was actually Easter, which is unusual in, in the UK to have sunshine then. And the only way I can describe it, it was as if, a cloud had gone over the sun and it was still blue skies. I couldn't, there was nothing up there, but it just felt as if it was starting to get a lot duller. Um, and I just got this horrible, horrible, overwhelming feeling that something was charging towards me. And MD that knows me as a medium, that's not what I'm all about. And it's the only time in my life I've actually run away from anything spiritual. And so I ran through the gate never came back again until about probably about seven years after it and I was in fact it's a lot ten years after it, I was telling my fiance at the time who's now my wife that this had happened I'd told her so many times and we just happened to be passing this place in the car and I says to Caroline let's stop and we'll go up and I'll show you exactly where it was so you had to climb a big hill, which probably wasn't very fair in Carolina. She was eight months pregnant at the time, but I thought we would. I thought she would want to see it. So we went up there, and if you remember, if the big farmer's gates with a big bolt, and it was one of them that wasn't used that often. So we unbolted the gate, and we went. I was last to go through, and Carolina herself, even she didn't like this thing. So she said, I'd rather just go. So the two of us went to go, and this gate was bolted. Ah. There could be many reasons. It could have, I, I don't know what could have caused it, but it's the second time in my life that I've, that I've run away from anything. And I can just remember my pregnant fiance getting smaller and smaller as I was running into the distance. Uh, because <laughs> such a, I was such a, such a brave man at that time. What a gentleman. Um, 
I know, and I was, I was just thinking that. absolutely <laughs> terrified. And I st- we'd done a bit of research on it later, and apparently, I won't go on too long about it, but it was some sort of clan, there was a massacre, but this guy had cheated his own people, basically, and he built this tower and called it Repentant Tower. It was built out of bricks of an old church that was lying demolished or derelict, and this was there for him to repent for what had happened. So whether that was linked, I don't know, but it's the only time that I've ever came across what I believe is is truly evil, negative. Okay. Uh, before we, we go on, I uh, I have actually the, the second question that Steve missed, uh, and that is how do you sense spirit around you? But before you give us that, could you give out uh, how people can contact you? Yeah, people can contact me on my website, which unfortunately I've just noticed before one of the shows down. Um, but I'm I'm going to get that back up. Um, it's chrisconwaymedium.com or via Facebook. I'm always on Facebook. Um, or if they want to email me, it's chris at chrisconwaymedium.com. And I'm always happy to hear from people, whether it's questions or just a bit of chit-chat. Oh, cool. So how can you sense spirit around you? Various different ways. If I'm on a paranormal investigation, the first thing that sort of comes through to me, it's the it's the feeling of the room. It's the energy in the room. And before I even know who's there or what's there, it's basically, and I'm, I don't think you need to be a medium to do this, I walk in and... I'm either met with a happy feeling or a bad feeling or a nasty feeling. And that's sort of how I start to build upon that. Then I'll see if there's any spirit running about. And that sort of comes through. Every spirit's different. It'll either be images coming through to my head or it will be trying to speak to me. Not physically. They're trying to speak to me using, again, it's a third eye and it's it's through the mind. Um, And after that, I start to sort of communicate with them and ask who they are, etc., and as I say, every single spirit is different, so it's hard to give a, a basic answer to that question. It's like people on this earth, some people you walk into and they're, they're chatty and they're laughing and they're joking. Other people, you can be in there for an hour and get three words out of them. So, But that's the, that's the main way it happens to myself. It's, it's words, it's the third eye. And I don't, I know some mediums say that they see entities physically. I don't. Um, I've only ever seen three what you could call physical entities in my whole life. And the first one happened. It was actually with Richard. Well, I was working with Richard Felix, but he wasn't there on that particular night. Um, and that was the first time I'd ever seen what you'd probably class as a ghost. So it doesn't work with me where it's physical voice or physical um, visions coming in front of me. So it's all, it's all through the third eye and through my, my, my inner mind. Hopefully that makes sense. It does. It does. Anybody uh, who knows anything about mediums, you know, understands the different types. Uh, so, but uh, Chris, what have you been doing since uh, we last spoke with you, which was quite a while ago? I mean, what have you been up to? Um, I've done done a stage show with Richard Felix, um, which was called Psychic and Science. Oh yeah. Um, which we were sort of touring around about. And um, I've done a, a few bits of TV work in 
was across in Finland and these kind of places, which is probably kind of strange way to go. But I think with myself, I was just so sickened of what happened to me on Most Haunted that I tried to sort of push myself as far away from TV, as far away from anything that that, that could possibly... Because I lost my confidence, had gone down. Um, I even had a bout of depression because of everything that happened on it and it oh, really did... I was very close to walking away from everything that I believe and love. So um done that. I, I run a paranormal events company. I like to do things like that. Um, and just the usual medium kind of thing, stage shows, um, readings, TV work. I've so, as I say, I, I backed off a lot, um, but I'm more sort of coming forward to that way of thinking again. But for a long, long time, I just wasn't interested in anything at all, which could possibly put me back into what was literally a living hell for me. Because there was a lot, as Steve will know, there's a lot of bullying goes on in that show, uh, not by the cast, but by the people that run it. And and that, that it really did nearly make me walk away from everything that I love and believe in. Oh, that's sad. But I have to you, – you brought up Finland, which is, is kind of intriguing because, I mean, when you went over there and as a medium, uh, what was it like? Was it different or was it, is it all the same? I mean, is it – you know, uh, the Finns are different than the English, the Americans are different than the, the English. I mean, everybody's different than the French. Uh, so <laughs> how does – you know – how did it? How did it stack up, and, and what was the differences, if there was any? Well, I, play, I think um, places like Finland, etc. The, the main show that they that they got that I was aware of was Most Haunted, um, because you would turn on in your hotel and you would see yourself or another medium with dubbing coming through, which was the strangest <laughs> experience. So they, they were very similar to to the British sort of style of what, what we see in TV, the way we go about things. So there wasn't too much difference between them. The actual spirit engines themselves, of course, they're, they're, they're the same no matter where you go. Oh, yeah, and, that's what I was trying to get at, but, yeah. Yeah, a lot of people will say, well, how do you speak to someone who speaks Finnish or speaks Swedish or whatever? And a lot, I know a lot of mediums will say, well, it's a universal language. It's not something that I particularly believe in. I feel that when I speak to a spirit energy that isn't speaking the same language as myself, they tend to show me a lot of images. So we then go a lot of symbolism route. And and a good example of that is I was doing a reading for someone and basically I told them that I felt that their uncle was deaf and they didn't say anything. They were saying the reason for that is because he was speaking to me in images all the way through. And at the end, the lady said, well, I'm pleased you said that because he didn't speak a word of English. So if you had started bringing through an English conversation, I would have known that you were talking rubbish because the man couldn't speak a word of English, which was quite interesting. And that's the way it tends to happen to myself. So it doesn't really matter what country I'm in. Um, okay. I've even... Even when I was in Egypt, there's spirit energies coming through in Egypt, which was quite a, a fantastic experience compared to anything that I've ever experienced anywhere in the world. Well, you you have to that statement. You have to tell us a little bit more about it. You just can't drop that on us. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, well, I was across in Egypt with um, two friends and we were running a sort of tour company. Mm-hmm. And... We're going into different places, into like the pyramids, etc. And 
I was communicating with a lot of energies there, but the energies there were totally, totally different from anything that I've ever experienced. They're a lot more stronger, a lot more... It's a hard way to describe it. It's almost as if, and this is going to sound very hairy-fairy and a bit wacky, but it's almost as if there was a living energy coming from the the actual quarries, the rocks, um, the, the temples themselves, the, t- the pyramids themselves. It was almost as if there was this energy coming towards you the full time. And the actual, the actual spirit energies, there was a lot more darker energies across there than that I've ever came across here. Really? Uh, yeah, and it's it was a I was only I think it was there three weeks I was across there, and the full time it took me about two weeks to actually start to get my head around what was actually there. It was it was so overwhelming even for myself that. I actually thought, right, Chris, you're pretty rubbish at this because you can't get too much from these people. And it took me into the second week before I could actually start to break things down, strip layers back, and then start to do some proper communication. And the, a lot of it was, the only way I could describe it is like a, a sort of dark energy, not communicating with you, watching you, which was quite a, a strange thing for myself because of the fact that my, the comment I made earlier about a medium will know exactly what's there. I didn't know it was there. All I knew was that I was being watched. I known it was it was a darker energy, and it took a long time before I actually started to communicate and find out exactly what was there. And it wasn't so much that they were evil; it was more the way that they lived their lives. And to some somebody like myself growing up in, in Scotland, I couldn't quite cope with that because we we had different life experiences. Theirs was a lot more heavier, a lot more powerful, and what I thought was darker, and I'm not sure if I'm correct on the fact that they were darker, it was just the way it came through to myself. So probably a place that I would love to go back to to try and see what happens the next time I go. It's interesting you, you, you use those analogies because, I mean, you would be presumably dealing with um, Aboriginal people, uh, you know, three, 4,000 BC. Um, and I, I would imagine, you know, how would we view them? How would they view us, uh, you know, three, 4,000 years apart? Um, exactly. We, are, we, we may have the same physical bodies um, and the same mental capacities, but our views and our realities would be completely different, wouldn't they? Totally, totally, Stephen. That's and that's what I found, and it was. And I'm not ashamed to admit that it was. It was well over my head. It was very difficult for myself to, to even attempt to start to unravel it. Um, eventually, I did start to make a lot more communication, but nowhere near what I can do in this country or America or anywhere else. It's just, it was probably extreme is the best way of describing it. I would imagine it, you know, a sort of analogy would be, I, I guess, kind of like when people, you know, discover the tribes in the Amazon, or you know, in the early twentieth century. Um, yeah. You know, what do you have in common with these people? You know, where is the where is the common bond that you can then build a relationship with with them, spiritually or you know, physically? You know, as the early explorers had to, you, you, I, I, I presume would have that same dilemma. How would you build a spiritual link, a communication with people 
with whom you have absolutely nothing in common. Exactly, and that's actually a, a perfect summation of what of what I was trying to sort of bring say when I was talking about it. it you're spot on, and that was the problem. It was when I speak to Spirit Energies here, and as I was saying earlier, if they're from a different country, they'll use images, etc. But as you've just said there, Steve, what images can they use? Symbolism, which is going to make sense to myself. And what's, what images can I use to them, which is going to make sense to them? Because obviously the pyramids, etc., are probably used for something that, that we don't even know because, yeah. we, we, let's face it, people, we do guess, with, with, especially with things like the pyramids, because I don't know if you've ever been in the pyramids. The King Chamber, it takes a, quite a bit of walk to get up there. And when you get there, it's a concrete room. Yeah. There's no hieroglyphics, there's nothing. And it's the one place in, in Egypt that I actually got into that chamber and felt nothing. And I was so disappointed because I thought this is going to be overwhelming. And spiritually, there was nothing at all. And that really... We, we, only, we, only, we only think that we know what these structures, the pyramids, the Sphinx are for, don't we? we, you know, we there are thousands of different theories from aliens built them to you know, the astronomical. To, we have no concept of, of... We have the writings, we have the hieroglyphics, we have our interpretation of what their worldview was. But we have you know, nothing. And we don't have the... At least the explorers in the 20th century, you know, going through the Amazon... Um, at least they had the individuals they could, you know, work with and develop a communication. Exactly. Um, you know, exactly. It must be. You know, it must be a very, very difficult situation for a medium to find themselves in. And, but also, I, I, you know, you know, I'm an investigator. I would find that challenge fascinating, and I, I presume, I guess. I mean, did you, you find you, that fascination you too? I mean, no. I mean, in terms of trying to develop a communication, I mean, if yeah. I were if I were mediumistic, that would be one of the you know the, the fascinating you know reasons that would draw me there. Without without a doubt, and a lot of the time, I would just wander off on my own. I was supposed to be the medium because we got we had guests coming across with us, etc. And I was a medium there to go around and, and not so much like most haunted. I was there. If somebody wanted to ask something or felt something, then I was there. Um, but I wasn't going to be throwing, pushing myself into people's faces and saying, this is what's here, because it wasn't that kind of tour. But a lot of the time, I would just take myself off because there would be a piece of rock or something which they, they, it was almost like a pulsating energy um, coming from this. I can only imagine it's whatever sort of things these people were doing, whether it's their own energy being placed into this rock and it's still, I don't think you'd need to be a medium because I actually got a few people from the tour to come and touch it and just let me know what they felt without saying a thing. Two of them didn't feel anything, which is which is good because it's what you would hope that some people would, some people wouldn't. But there was three people that actually said, ex described exactly what I was feeling. It was like this sort of pulsating energy coming from, it wasn't overwhelming, but you could feel it there. Um, and it, a really, really strange. But you would love it even as even as an investigator, Steve, because of the fact that taken away from this sort of usual tourist thing, it's it's such an amazing place. The one thing at the King's Chamber is I didn't feel anything spiritually, but the acoustics in that chamber were unbelievable. And 
Whether that had something to do with what they used it for, I don't know. But it was acoustics that I've never ever, even in an empty music hall or theatre at something before the show starts, I've never ever dis, um, experienced those kind of acoustics. There's been a number of theories put forward uh, relating to acoustics at some of these ancient sites, both within the UK and, and Egypt, you know, Stonehenge, uh, up in Scotland, Kalanish and others. Um, yeah. It, it's, you know, we, we, again, we can go along and we can measure the sound and uh, we, can, we can obviously understand it in terms of physics, but we don't understand the... The spiritual side of it. We don't understand how they conceived the sound, how they perceived it, what they thought that the the what we you know we understand what echoes and reverberation are, and we, we can rationalise that. But what what did they think? Uh, what did they believe ten thousand years ago? Because and, it sounds definitely played a part in their life. Um, yeah. Because because there are places within the sort of southern regions of France where the cave drawings are concentrated in areas where the acoustic reverberations are at their mm -hmm. their peak. So they were using sound, but probably in a way that we can't even conceive of. Yeah, to totally agree, because another thing is that a lot of people say that these pyramids were there for, for um, the burial of kings, pharaohs, etc. And I think that's true for two of them, but the Great Pyramids, the one thing that about the pyramids is they've all got the, the sort of ramp where the funeral procession would come up. The Great Pyramids got this as well. But the other two pyramids, the ramp is heading towards the Nile, which is what you'd expect because that's the way they bring the, the pharaoh down. The Great Pyramid isn't. The ramp is heading in a totally different direction, mm. which sort of throws you again, because I asked um, one of the people that were involved in that, a guy called Dr John, uh, who's a Egyptologist, lives across in Egypt, and he says that... It was something that pointed it out to me. He says, where this ramp's heading to, there has never, ever been water there. And so that, again, sort of makes you think, well, what's that for then? Yeah. We, it's I got mean, the we King's Chambers, concrete room. Yeah, we don't understand. Ron took me to some places in North America when I was over there last. And, uh, you know, we, we think that we know, and there are speculations, but we just, we don't know, do we? We're dealing no, we with people not. who, they may as well be aliens, uh, although they have our bodies, although they have our brains. You know, we are dealing with, with people who are utterly different in every way, uh, you know, mm -hmm. their beliefs, their concept of spirit, um, mm -hmm. uh, the universe, the way that, you know, even the way that the, the sun goes around the planets. Um, yeah. It's completely different than ours. Mm-hmm, totally, totally. And, and as you say, it's, it's, it's like people from a different planet. And, and I think that's the problem because we try and work things out with what we know in modern technology and modern thinking. Even, even people in the medieval period wouldn't be thinking in the same way. So we're trying to, to sort of understand things, as you just said, Steve, with that we don't know. We're, we're taking guesses and then hoping that we can glean something from those guesses. And it's the only way that we're ever going to find out, if we ever find out, what's going on with them. Well, there's the uh, doorbell, which means pizza from the dead, so we got to wrap it up. Uh, before I say goodbye to you, Chris, I do want to mention to our audience uh, that I was doing a special... Uh, retreat coming uh, the first quarter of 2016 is called In Search of Spirit. It'll be a uh, 
a spiritual connection and paranormal retreat. And this is going to be at a first-class hotel, but it is connected to an old, old uh, building that belonged to a sea captain. So uh, it's going to be kind of a unique thing. And you know, that's right up your alley, Chris. You know, Yeah, uh, that, sounds, that, that sounds very, very interesting. Very, Wouldn't that be cool, huh? <laughs> yeah. So anyways... That- I'm actually bit envious of that one. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be on my website, negoesproject.com, the letter N, the letter E, ghostproject.com. Chris, once again, thank you so much for being with us. And if they want to get in touch with you, once again, can you give us your website? Yeah, it's chrisconwaymedium.com. Okay, thank you, Chris. And any last parting shots at us before you uh, say goodbye? No, nope, I've uh, really enjoyed it. As, well, as one always. thing I think we ought to say is congratulations to Chris, who's uh, recently married. Very recently married. So yeah, congratulations. Three, d- oh. three days ago. <laughs> oh, wow. Congratulations. Yeah. I, I was unaware of that. No, he's still, on the, vit- he's still on the vitamin tablets recovering from the honeymoon. Yes, <laughs> yes. I've sort of crawled towards a microphone at the moment, and I'll probably <laughs> fall back asleep. <laughs> did you guys, wait a minute. Did you guys ever see Martin Problems with Chevy Chase? No. Yes, yes. Chris? Yes. Yeah. So what, is that possible? Do you remember? Um, uh, huh? You know, remember he got that, uh, the whatever that was, the radioactive crap on him, and then uh, he had some powers. Is that possible? Can't, do mediums pers- have that? Personally, I don't, I don't think so. Even as a medium, I mean, I know a lot of mediums will say that they get novels almost of stuff coming out the way it works for me I'm getting a sentence I'm getting a few words it means nothing to me it only starts to make sense when I tell people what I'm getting so I I don't think personally I don't believe that anything like that could happen because I don't think that anybody in this earth can get more than images than the odd word the odd sentence and so I don't believe that that, that could happen personally Okay, so anyways, we, that is the music, so we got to go. Thank you so much, Chris. Cheers, Chris. You're more than welcome, guys. I'll be, I'll be in touch during the week, mate. Yep. Yes, looking forward to it, Steve. Take care. Bye. Good night. God bless. Good night. Bye, God guys. Bless. Happy Thanksgiving. Yes. <laughs> From goalies to ghosties, long-leggedy beasties, and things that go bump in the night, deliver us good luck.